0: Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Andy Murphy. Millions of people enrolled in Medicaid are expected to be kicked out of the program over the next few months. It's not because they aren't eligible, it's because they haven't filled out the required paperwork. The problem is new confusion about the process brought on by the COVID pandemic and a series of adjustments since then. Now officials are working to get back on track and many low-income people with no other way to pay their medical bills could be affected. We'll find out what you can do about it right after the news.
1: This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. The Kowalungan Tribe in Alaska is offering free online college programs to all its tribal members through a new educational partnership. KUCB's Sophia Stewart Rossi reports tribal officials are hoping the opportunity will help grow a workforce in Unalaska beyond the fishing industry. The Kowalungan Tribe of Unalaska
2: is partnering with an online college offering free certificates and degrees to all tribal members. The collaboration is part of the tribe's Workforce Development Pilot Program and offers a range of courses in healthcare, business administration, and skilled trades at Penn Foster College. Tanea Horn is the chief operating officer for the tribe. She says they intentionally chose programs that would support Unalaskan's workforce as the city looks to diversify its economy amid declining crab stocks and other uncertainties in the fishing industry.
3: comes into kind of this flux where we don't, quite know what's going to happen. It's our responsibility as tribe to
1: ensure that the lands are protected, and and part of that is making sure that we've got capable people on islands who can
3: do the work that comes with that economic development that we're so looking forward
1: to in Unalaska.
2: The Kowalungan tribe is part of a trilateral agreement with the city of Unalaska and the island's native village corporation. The entities have pledged to jointly address the island's infrastructure needs. And Horn says they're also investing in Unalaskans.
3: We're training people. We're using federal training dollars through workforce development grants. And we're not having to invest in bringing people on the island. You know, it's reducing the operational expenses
2: there are dozens of free online Penn Foster College courses now available to tribal members to help them get a high school diploma, certificates, and degrees. Horn says several people have already enrolled in the college partnership since launching the program late last month. I'm Sophia Stewart-Rossi.
1: The U.S. Census Bureau has a tool called My Tribal Area that organizes information about tribal communities. Emma Vanda 90 of the Mountain West News Bureau explains how it's been received over the years.
2: The tool allows users to search for a particular reservation or pueblo, and it will show information in five categories. People, jobs, housing, economy, and education. It aims to make tribal data clear and more readily accessible. Eric Coyle with the Bureau says it's been useful for grant writers.
4: I sent them a link to this tool and they just I just get thank yous all around.
2: But not much has changed to the layout since its inception in 2016, besides the updated data. Some data points have large margins of error. And Carolyn Liebler, a professor of sociology at the University of Minnesota, says the census changed their coding for race in 2020, which impacted the numbers.
1: It is really hard to make policy decisions when some of the data that you're working with are different over time for reasons that aren't related to what's happening on the ground.
2: Still, Liebler
1: believes it's one of the best tools for accessing American Indian and Alaska Native data. I'm Emma Vanden Tribal leaders and California state lawmakers are set to press top California State University officials Tuesday about returning nearly 700,000 Native American human remains and items to tribes. They're holding a press conference at the state capitol, which will then be followed by a committee hearing on findings from a state auditor's report released in June. Tribal leaders and lawmakers say the university is failing to return the remains, which they say is violating federal and state law. The university's interim president, and four other campus representatives are scheduled to testify. I'm Antonia Gonzalez.
5: National Native News is produced by Kalanick Broadcast Corporation, with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Do you have feedback stories or ideas that you want to share? Now through September 4th, visit online at koanicorg slash survey to share feedback and be part of defining our future. That's koahnic.org forward slash survey support by vision maker media envisioning a world changed and healed by understanding native stories in the public conversations they generate 45 plus years of native stories and indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at visionmakermedia.org native voice one the native american radio network
0: This is Native America calling. I'm Andy Murphy sitting in for Sean Spruce. People who rely on Medicaid for health coverage are facing new hurdles that could get them kicked off the program, at least temporarily. In the worst case scenario, someone who previously utilized Medicaid could face an emergency health care cost only to find they have been disenrolled. The good news is, filling out and sending in a form is usually all it takes to fix the problem. Native Americans make up a disproportionate percentage of those enrolled in the health insurance coverage program for low-income citizens. The U.S. Health and Human Services Department estimated as much as 28% of the total Native population in the U.S. uses Medicaid. This hour, we're going to hear about the problem and how it might affect Native residents who use Medicaid. We'll also hear about several ways you or your loved one can avoid getting kicked off in the coming months. If you'd like to get in on this discussion, you can uh, give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Let's uh, start with our guest who is joining us from Washington, D.C. Her name is Kitty Marks. She's the director of the CMS Division of Tribal Affairs. That's the uh, that's the Center for Medicare and Medicare. Medicaid services. Welcome to Native America Calling, Kitty. Thank you, Andy. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining. So, uh, before we start, uh, we just wanted to disclose that the Center for Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services is an underwriter of Native America's native america calling's parent company Uh, so kitty let's start with the uh, overall problem we're reading estimates of millions of people potentially getting kicked off of medicaid why is that happening
6: okay let me start um well march of 2020 at the onset of the COVID
7: 19
6: uh PHE, the public health emergency, Congress required states to maintain enrollment of nearly all Medicaid enrollees, and state Medicaid agencies received increased federal funding to do that. And the purpose of that, what we call Medicaid was to make
3: sure that Medicaid beneficiaries
0: had right, during the you? pandemic. Hello? S- sorry to interrupt you. We're, we're having a little bit of uh, uh, of an issue hearing you. Um, w- we'll get that fixed. Um, uh, I- I'd like to bring in another guest while we're getting your your phone line fixed there, Kitty. But um, uh, I'd like to bring in Chris Winter Road, joining us from Santa Fe, New Mexico. She's the state health insurance assistance program and senior Medicare C- Medicare patrol program manager for the New Mexico aging and long term services department welcome to native america calling chris Thanks, Sandy. I'm happy to be here. Oh, thank you. Uh, the, the line sounds a lot better so, uh, uh, than Kitty's. Uh, sorry about that, Kitty. We're, we're working on that. But um, uh, Chris, g- can, you, can you take over that question, uh, answering that question? We're talking about uh, the overall problem. Why is it that uh, uh, there's an estimate of millions of people potentially getting kicked off of uh, Medicaid here in the next coming months?
7: Well, I just want to say that I'm a little fish in this big pond, and you know, Kitty's the big fish. So if she eats me later, let's all just be ready for that. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll just kind of take over where she left off. This all stems back to the pandemic. Um, during the pandemic, the decision was made that healthcare, of course, it, It always is critically important, but during the pandemic, it was even more so. And so it was the decision was made to just let Medicaid ride, right? So during the pandemic, nobody had to do any renewals. um, And we actually got a whole, whole bunch more people enrolled in Medicaid so that they had coverage, you know, just in case during the pandemic. Now that the pandemic is over, we're returning to normal. Um, And that means that people need to recertify their Medicaid eligibility. Um, And some people who started on Medicaid during the pandemic may never have done that before. Um, People who started on Medicare during the pandemic and had Medicaid before, now they're in the they 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 were in the wonderful position during that time where they had two full insurance coverages Medicaid and Medicare both and now we're returning to normal where if people have Medicare they're no longer longer eligible for Medicaid so there's there's uh several things going on you know it's complicated um, so for many people you know, they're gonna get that turquoise envelope in the mail and all they need to do is return it and it should be fairly seamless. If you miss your recertification paperwork, um, then it may be a little more, um, you'll you'll have to reapply. Um, And if you're in that situation where maybe you've had a double coverage and you're going back down to just having Medicare only, that's another type of situation so it's hard to give a general answer when really it is person by person
0: got it all right. Uh, well, I, I want to zero in on um, one state, um, uh, or I want to uh, uh, maybe broaden it out and, and uh, focus on uh, Native health care here. So I want to bring in Kristen Bitsui from Tucson, Arizona. She's the healthcare reform outreach and education policy coordinator for the Tribal Health Reform Resource Center, which is a project of the National Indian Health Board. And Kristen is Diné. Welcome to Native America Calling, Kristen.
3: Yeah, thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Yeah, so um, enrolled tribal members get health care through Indian Health Service. Uh, How does Medicaid fit in with that system?
3: So Medicaid will be able to supplement what Indian Health Service are able to provide under their roof. So it's extremely important that our tribal citizen get some sort of health care coverage. And Medicaid is one where a lot of American Indians and Alaska Natives are eligible to get on.
0: Okay. And do you have any numbers on how many Native Americans rely on uh, Medicaid compared to the rest of the population?
3: I do not have a number on how many are enrolled in Medicaid, but I do know that there will be an impact of those that would be falling off of Medicaid due to the unwinding that is currently happening, and uh, one of the ones that we look at is the uh, uh, we utilize the Kaiser Family Foundation as an estimate, so that we can sort of see who visually what that how that would impact our tribal citizens. And as of August 21st, 2023, NIHB had estimated. THAT THE IMPACT IN ARIZONA WOULD BE APPROXIMATELY ABOUT 17,000 TO 26,500 AMERICAN INDIANS AND ALASKA NATIVES FROM ARIZONA THAT WOULD BE DISENROLLED FROM MEDICAID. THAT'S JUST ONE STATE. Um, WE CAN LOOK AT ANOTHER STATE FOR, LET'S SAY, NEW MEXICO, AND WE CAN ESTIMATE THE RANGE BETWEEN 16,000 to 20,000 American Indian and Alaskan Natives that would be disenrolled from Medicaid during this unrolling, unwinding. So, um, you know, just looking at those numbers, you think, oh, my God, that is a lot of numbers, especially for, you know, just those two states when you look at it. And so a lot of the things that we need to make sure is that there are, doing their renewal of applications. When they get that letter through the mail, asking them to maybe submit additional documents, or maybe just to review the renewal application, that's the most important thing that they need to do right now.
0: Okay. Um, Are there other factors that contribute to the importance of Medicaid for Native Americans like uh, higher instances of uh, diabetes and other health problems?
3: Oh, of course. I mean, there's other different diagnoses out there or other reasons why they should be able to get onto Medicaid and having any kind of health care coverage will be able to get them to understand the importance of taking care of their health.
0: Okay. All right. And uh, what what is what what are some of the um, uh, enrollment uh, qu- qualifications one has to have to uh, get enrolled in uh, Medicaid, especially if they are Native American?
3: For American Indians and Alaska Natives, there are protections and provisions in place for them. And one of the things is that we know that. Indian Health Service is the only federal agency that can bill any of the CMS programs such as Medicare, Medicaid CHIP, and the marketplace as well, too. So uh, you know, just looking at that, some of those things that we talk about, the importance of being able able to be eligible for Medicaid, it's one of those things that a lot of our tribal citizens may may not understand the process or maybe the application is complex as well too and depending on what that challenge is they also have to understand that there are enrollment assisters stationed within their ihs facility their tribal facility and even at the urban site that they're able to help them with that process as well
0: all right all right, thanks for that, Kristen. Uh, we'll be back after this break. We're talking about Medicaid unwinding uh, program. Um, thousands, millions of people are estimated to be kicked off the program uh, in the next coming months, and um, here's uh, some information um, that could prevent that from happening, which I think is just a bunch of paperwork. But we'll find out more about that after this break. If you want to join. Join us. have a question about uh, Medicaid, we're at 1-800-996-2848. Fans all over the world are marking the birth of hip-hop music 50 years ago. It's risen to an art form that native musicians have mastered and shaped since then to become a collective voice of representation, expression, and resilience. We'll hear from Native artists about where it all began and what hip-hop means to them on the next Native America Calling.
5: Support for this program provided by Vision Maker Media, who envisions a world changed and healed by understanding Native stories and the public conversations they generate, nurturing the next generation of storytellers with courage, generosity, creativity, respect, and commitment. 45-plus years of Native stories and Indigenous knowledge through film and media can be found at visionmakermedia.org, whose slogan is, Together We Are Vision Makers.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. We're hearing about some new obstacles for people on Medicaid. Officials predict tens of millions of people will be kicked off of the health care insurance for low-income people in the next coming months. If you have a question or insights, let us know by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. I want to bring in Kristen Marks right now, uh, director of the CMS division of tribal affairs that's the centers for medicare and medicaid services all right kitty uh is there any chance for an extension or any method for uh expe- um, expediting re-enrollment for people um in a, a desperate situation
6: um I'm not sure if I understand your your question. What we're trying to do right now is to make sure that people are aware of the Medicaid unwinding process and to look for uh, Medicaid renewal letters that states will be sending out. They're in the process of sending those out now. And for individuals that receive those letters where states are requesting additional information to return that letter to their state Medicaid agency or contact their local Indian health care provider, whether it's IHS, the tribes, or an urban Indian organization, so that they complete the renewal process and are not terminated by Medicaid.
0: Got it. Okay. But um, are some people, um, is there an exception for some people? Or uh, do some people have a longer time to uh, return those letters? Or is there like an extension they can file?
6: Um, No, there's not really an extension. I mean, if for some reason the individual needs more time, they should contact their state Medicaid agency um, because the state does have to make a couple of attempts before they can terminate. For instance, if the state does send out a renewal letter and it's returned because of a bad address, then the state needs to attempt to reach that person either by email or phone number or by text before they can terminate that individual. And so that's why we're encouraging uh, Medicaid beneficiaries to make sure their contact information is up to date with their Medicaid agency, not only their address, but additional ways to contact them, like I said, through the phone or an email address.
0: Okay. All right. So like a worst case scenario is uh, someone in an emergency situation, like they, they broke their leg or uh, they have a burst appendix or something like that. And then they find out after they go to the emergency room, they have no more coverage, no more Medicaid coverage. Are there any procedures in place for those people or are they stuck with the bill?
6: No. In many states, Medicaid coverage is retroactive. And in many hospitals, like emergency rooms, they have individuals uh, that can assist that person in applying for Medicaid if for some reason they find themselves in that position.
0: Got it. All right. Thanks. Um, I'd like to bring in another guest we have with us. Uh, Joining us from Albuquerque, New Mexico is Rahul Ortiz. He is the director of the Division of Business Office Enhancement with the Indian Health Service. He's a Navajo and Acoma Pueblo. Welcome to Native America calling Rahul.
4: Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: Thanks for joining. So uh, how does um, IHS fit in with uh, Medicaid coverage?
4: How does, I'm sorry, could you say it again, fit in with Medicaid coverage?
0: Yeah, how does IHS fit in with Medicaid coverage or uh, vice versa? How does uh, Medicaid um, contribute to how IHS operates?
4: Oh, it's it's a big part. Uh, first of all, you know, as you know, we provide health care uh, to a uh, person of Indian descent uh, belonging to the local Indian community served by the uh, local IHS facility uh, in 35 different states across the country. And um, we don't charge or bill our, uh, our IHS eligible patients for the care they receive, but IHS has the authority under the. Indian Healthcare Improvement Act of 1976 to bill various insurances that our patients, whether they're Indian or non-Indian, may have. And um, in that includes Medicare, Medicaid, private insurance, VA, and other types of, of coverage. So and if you look at the if you look at the collections amounts over the years and the enrollment over the years. Um, I'm saying I'm talking about the last 10-year period. Um, We've had about uh, 40 or more, about over 40 percent of our patients are enrolled in Medicaid or and or CHIP uh, in each of those years. And when it comes to the revenue that is generated from uh, billing Medicaid, we uh, it's I'd say in the area of 60. Eight to 71 percent of our uh, average revenue uh, each of those years, so or over those years. So it is a significant part of how IHS uh, stays in operation. Of course, we get appropriations from the Congress uh, every year, but uh, with this additional authority, uh, both IHS and tribes and urban really programs can be reimbursed. Uh, for the care they provide.
0: Okay. Uh, Do you expect any disruptions because of uh, what we're calling the Medicaid Unwinding Program?
4: When it comes to, I wouldn't necessarily call it a disruption, at least in terms of revenue or in terms of, of coverage, except for on an individual basis. But overall speaking, Um, We are doing everything we can to make sure that our patients understand about what the unwinding is, uh, uh, how they should take steps to um, make sure that their contact information is up to date with the state Medicaid program, either by contacting the state Medicaid program directly uh, through various means or by actually coming to uh, an IHS facility if it's uh, convenient for them. We can um, help them look at their mail that they might receive from the state. We can walk through it with them, and we can be on phone calls with them and talking to the state to help them renew uh, their Medicaid or to apply. Or if they no longer qualify because of, uh, you know, say their income may have gone up and they've gone over the limit uh, for Medicaid eligibility, um, you know, to apply for uh, insurance uh, possibly on the marketplace at an affordable rate.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, was there a, a benefit during COVID to suspend the reauthorizations of uh Native Medicaid?
4: I'm sorry, could you repeat that again? I didn't quite understand the
0: question. Yeah, sorry. Uh was there a benefit um during the pandemic uh, with having uh, natives on Medicaid um, uh, who who didn't have that risk of uh, getting kicked out of the program?
4: Do you mean was there a benefit to the continuous enrollment requirement which prevented yeah. disenrollment?
0: Yeah, yes, yeah, sorry about
4: absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, sure. And, once, and, and you brought up a point I wanted to clarify. As I said before, IHS neither bills no charge, and in fact, it's prevented by law, the same Indian Health Care Improvement Act, from um, from passing charges onto our American Indian and Alaska Native uh, beneficiaries. Um, but it's really important that that people get covered because when they're away from an IHS facility or an urban or a tribal health care facility, they're going to, you know, need to go to other providers, and it just makes sense to have. Know, some type of coverage of either one that they uh, don't have to pay for or one that costs very little uh, uh, to do so so yeah I would say yes having you know uh, increasing uh, uh, benef- an increasing number of beneficiaries being enrolled into uh, Medicaid during the pandemic without fear of losing coverage definitely provided um, you know options for all of our uh, American Indian and Alaska Native beneficiaries, and when they came to IHS tribes or urban programs, we were able to uh, reap the benefit of that coverage and and use it to uh, generate revenue, which can then be used uh, to meet those Medicare and Medicaid conditions of participations first, and then later to uh, serve healthcare purposes uh, for the for any of those agencies.
0: Okay. All right. So, um, within IHS about, um, uh, you know, about, uh, what, what age, uh, do, um, folks maybe, uh, are encouraged to, uh, apply for Medicaid?
4: Well, really, um, I would say beginning at birth that the children's health insurance program is part of Medicaid and, um, uh, you know, people can qualify based on that. It's, It's really, you know, varies. There's no particular age. I would say Um, I'd I'd have to defer that question maybe to Kristen or to uh, or to Kitty on that one.
0: Got it. Yeah. Let's go over to, uh, Kristen. Uh, Kristen Bitsui is, uh, the tribal healthcare reform outreach and education policy coordinator for the tribal health reform resource center, which is a project of the NIHB, which is a national Indian health board. Uh, Kristen, um, uh, Raho- uh, was I asked a question of Raho about um, age, you know, about uh, uh, do you know how um, uh, maybe the demographics are spread out? H- how How many maybe young people are on Medicaid? Okay, so I
3: do know he is correct that it does start at birth. Uh. and um, you know as soon as they're born, if the mom is on Medicaid, it is, that's when they start being able to be eligible for Medicaid. So it does start right at birth. Um, okay. And, you know, the filter, I guess, I think that's one main thing that a lot of our American Indians, Alaska Natives, um, the females that are pregnant to let them know that it is good to get on Medicaid while they're pregnant that way when um, they have their baby, then the baby will be covered under Medicaid.
0: Mm. All right. We also heard uh, Raho say that uh, about 40% of IHS patients are enrolled in Medicaid. Uh, Do you expect more disenrollments for Native residents than others?
3: Well, it it all depends on the state. They all vary. And then also probably will depend on our enrollment assistants that are located in each of the facilities and how they are able to do their outreach and also give out that information about updating their address and as well as making sure that they do renew their application
0: okay all right and um, you know uh... Most states expanded Medicaid coverage under the Affordable Care Act. Do you know if that made any difference in health in outcomes for Native Americans or anyone else?
3: Oh, absolutely. Medicaid expansion has done wonders for the revenue when it comes to the IHS facility and probably all three, the IHS, the tribal and the urban side, and, you know, that. That third-party revenue that stays with that facility, they're able to get other services like maybe hiring other professionals, getting equipment, getting other needs. And a lot of the facilities that I have visit, they have purchased equipments where maybe they get referred out for because they don't have that equipment within their facility. But through the expansion and getting that revenue from that, they were able to purchase these additional equipment so that they don't have to be sending their patients out. And then they're preserving that purchaser for care funds as well.
0: Okay. All right. I'd like to uh, bring in a caller we have on the line with us right now. Nicole in Gallup, New Mexico, listening on KGLP. Hey, Nicole.
8: Hey, yeah, a Kristen, a Anna and a Chef. I have a question for you. I really need you to clarify it for once and for all, because I'm darn sick and tired of not of going to Indian health uh, care and not certain cert, uh, signing that paper that they tell us to sign. My question, first question is, now the federal government is it true or not? that they have a treaty obligation to provide excellent health care services to every Native American, Alaska Native American in the country. The second question I want to ask, so it, the the uh, Medicaid, okay, I'm just now 66. I am just not using Medicaid, Medicare, whatever. I'm getting used to it. Now I'm finding out that I might be, be dismissed from it. It's very Worrisome because I'm going to have surgery pretty soon, and I don't want to have to pay fifteen thousand dollars in the mail when they say to, well, you owe this much money now. You know how am I going to pay for that? And then how come you guys don't list how much a dental root canal costs? How much, How come you guys don't list publicly to you know um, how much anything costs? So I would be most appreciative to know if I had to pay this healthcare services out of pocket. I would be so thankful for it. Thank you, Kristen. That you. Have.
0: All right, uh, Kristen, um, does the trust responsibility play into what we're talking about with Medicaid?
3: You know, Medicaid, you know, this is one question I think everybody always has, and especially when it comes to being able to get coverage or the reason why you should apply for Medicaid and I think one thing that you always have to understand is that the IHS facility is underfunded. And you know, I think everybody knows that. And the, the Medicaid is probably one way that meets that responsibility of the when we talk about trust responsibility. And so you know, that supplements and whatever revenue that comes out from being able to bill Medicare, Medicaid, children's health insurance program or the marketplace and brings that back into your facility that is able to help those that probably might not be able to get on Medicaid, for instance, you know, if it's because of them being over income. So yes, that, you know, that is one question that always comes up all the time.
0: Right, right. And I think the other part of her question was about um, the costs. I mean, is that a, a common complaint you're also hearing about?
3: Well, you know, medical services is always going to be pretty high, mm-hmm. depending on you know, what that's going to be. And, you know, that's something that I guess when you go to an IHS facility or maybe a you know, tribal facility, a lot of our tribal citizens, they don't see a bill. They don't get told to pay anything out of pocket, no co-pays, co-insurance, or anything like that. And so when they do get referred outside of their facility, that's when they will see some sort of bill in that instance. And then that's what they want help with. But there really isn't, um, you know, I've seen certain... Um, patient benefit coordinators think creatively of trying to be able to explain, Hi, you know, making sure that they have that bill.
0: Yeah. Hey, Kristen. Sorry, we're we're, we're going to go to a break. We'll be right back.
5: Did you know that there could be a silent killer inside your home? You may know it—carbon monoxide. It's a poisonous gas that can't be seen or smelled, yet it can kill a family in a matter of minutes. You can protect yours by installing carbon monoxide alarms throughout your home. Find more on the dangers of carbon monoxide and additional safety information at cpsc.gov. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission.
0: We're glad you tuned in today to Native America Calling. I'm Andy Murphy. Do you rely on Medicaid for healthcare coverage? Are you sure you're still enrolled? medicaid users need to take action to make sure their coverage remains current you can join a conversation by calling 1-800-996-2848 that's also 1-800-99-NATIVE um i want to go back to Kristen bitsui from the tribal health reform resource center of the national indian health board uh Kristen, we, we, before the break you were talking about uh uh billing um ihs patients typically don't see uh, a bill or you know and i think you were also mentioning that um, you know that's probably one of the reasons why uh, prices aren't really discussed uh, up front uh, can you continue
3: i guess absolutely yes a lot of the patients that get seen at uh, the ihs or the tribal facility most likely don't see a bill coming through to them so they don't get to see how much it costs for their visit until they get referred out of the facility. Then those providers, those specialty providers that they got referred out to, that's probably the time when they'll be able to see it in that way as well too. So that's probably one of the reasons why she is not able to get a pricing on what it would cost uh, for any kind of services out there.
0: Got it. All right. Uh, let's actually go over to uh, Raho with the IHS. Uh, Raho, w- what is your response to the caller? She seemed she, w- she seemed uh, uh, kind of frustrated with the system, was uh, afraid that um, maybe she would have to pay for an upcoming procedure if uh, she loses her Medicaid. Uh, what's your response?
4: Well, I just want to reassure the caller that IHS, as I indicated before, by law, uh, for those direct care services we provide, those are services directly in our hospitals and clinics and health stations. We neither bill nor charge American Indian or Alaska Native beneficiaries. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I, but I agree with what Kristen said when it comes to uh, purchase referred care or. Uh, what was formerly known as contract health services, where the care was not available in the local IHS hospital or clinic, usually specialty care um, that uh, IHS contracts with local outside providers, and we refer our patients over there, and we, and we guarantee that we will pay those charges uh, for, the, uh, for the patient. Now, um, provider, those providers may and do uh, send them a, a bill but IHS, if if those services are referred and authorized through our Purchase Referred Care Program, IHS will pay for those services. Okay. I just wanted also to address the part of the question about um, the trust uh, responsibility. Mm -hmm. And and I want to actually refer you to a page on the IHS website. Uh, It's uh, about IHS, and it's the overview section. And on that page, it basically says that IHS is responsible for providing health services to American Indian and Alaskan natives. The provision of health services to members of federally recognized tribes grew out of the special government-to-government relationship between the federal government and the Indian tribes. This relationship established in 1787 is based on Article I, Section 8 of the Constitution and has been given form and substance by numerous treaties, laws, Supreme Court Decisions and Executive Orders. The IHS is the principal federal health care provider and health advocate for Indian people and its goal is to raise their health status to the highest possible level.
0: Great. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, Rojo, I want to ask uh, one more question about uh, purchase referred care. Um, I'm f- familiar with that whole uh, system, and um, it's been uh, quite a, a complicated journey, but it's probably different uh, at different facilities everywhere. I mean, what um, what's your uh, advice for patients who maybe have to go through uh, that system of health care? They're referred out and um, have to follow up with paperwork or phone calls. I mean what, is, is there like a general um, sort of step by step when it comes to getting health care uh, outside of IHs through a referral?
4: Well, I have to I have to admit I'm not the expert um, and I'm sure there are plenty of our IHS listeners on the call who would say, Rahul, what would you say?" But I want to say, you know it's I, I would really say it as a common sense thing, which is for me, as an individual who has health problems like anybody else, I have to keep keep track of where you know my doctors are, where uh, what prescriptions I have, what you know what procedures are next, what I have you know what I need to schedule, what in- information I need to bring to the appointment. Um, and sometimes that does in- involve proactive calling or or messaging my provider. Uh, or my, uh, uh, my health coverage, and asking questions and saying, you know, is this what's supposed to happen? But there are, in the local facilities, um, staff, uh, we refer to them as patient benefit coordinators, and their particular uh, function is to assist all of our patients with understanding their coverages, including PRC, so that when they do need to use it, they can be informed on how to do it and how to do it in a way that makes sure that it works correctly. We want to make sure that anybody who um, comes to IHS is uh, whether they have coverage or not is offered the ability to apply for coverage. And if they do get that coverage, then we can bill that for the direct services we provide. If they uh, do need to get referred out, we can also bill that coverage. Uh, if it, uh, we can also bill that coverage. And um, when it comes to PRC, Every time we have somebody who's covered that, as Kristen mentioned earlier, that preserves those PRC dollars for additional patients. Now, I'm no clinician either, and I can't say how the health outcomes have improved, but I can tell you that, you know, every dollar that is saved by someone who's covered by Medicaid or Medicare or some other insurance um, gives someone else another op- an opportunity to use those PRC dollars uh, for providers
0: all right all right um like to go over to uh chris winter road um chris we heard from our caller nicole who's worried about not being covered uh are you hearing that from others in new mexico and uh what do you say to them
7: absolutely um i definitely wanted to address nicole's concerns and One thing that I really want to emphasize is that everyone, everyone from, you know, the very top levels down to my SHIP coordinators that go out into communities all over the state to help people one-on-one with these kinds of issues, we all want everyone to maintain their coverage. Um, During the pandemic, we reached the lowest level of uninsured in history for our country and that's good for everyone. So the goal really is to keep as many people covered as possible. Um, Nicole's situation is definitely one that I'm hearing about a lot because under normal circumstances, um, when a person starts on Medicare, their Medicaid stops. Um, because you know the, most people don't need two full insurances at the same time. Um, There are rare cases where that happens if somebody needs caregiving, um, but those are handled on a case-by-case basis. So so now people who've had both Medicare and Medicaid during the pandemic are having to try to figure out what does it mean for the Medicaid to be ending. And so one thing I want to reassure anybody who's in this situation about is that the minute you got Medicare – it became your primary insurance, right? So Medicaid probably hasn't been doing that much for you since you got Medicaid. So you may not, it's unlikely that you're gonna see big changes in your coverage. Also, every state and territory in the country has a state health insurance assistance or SHIP program, like the one I manage for New Mexico. Every state has one. you can find you can go to the website shiphelp.org to find the contact information for the ship program in your state and one of the things that we're spending a lot of time doing is helping people navigate their way through this tangle of what are my benefits now and how do i use them so we are very happy to help um, and, Nicole, you can certainly call our New Mexico ship at 1-800-432-2080 and we'll be happy to help you. People in other states can go to shiphelp.org and get their local ship assistance contact information from there because truly we want everyone to maintain their benefit because that's what's best for all of us.
0: All right. And that's Um, S-H-I-P. What does that stand for, uh, Chris? That stands for State Health Insurance Assistance
7: Program. And our motto is navigating Medicare. So think of us as when you're at sea, trying to figure out what in the world we are there to help. And we help with things like, um, you know, just understanding your benefits we work a lot. Here in New Mexico, we spend a lot of time and energy maintaining and strengthening our connections with all of the Native American communities throughout the state, making sure that the um, you know we do, not only do we do direct outreach with people, but we also work with clinics and clinic staff um, to make sure if they have questions or they're not quite sure what to do next, they can come to us for help. So we're, we're happy to help because it is a complicated system and it can feel very overwhelming,
0: mm-hmm.
7: and we're here to help with that.
0: All right. And one question I had here, uh, wh- at what age does uh, somebody qualify for Medicare? So
7: if you're going to um, enter Medicare due to age, that age is 65. But there are many people who have Medicare younger because they have um, a disability. So so we've got some young people in their 20s even who are on Medicare because they um, are disabled. After you've been on, generally speaking, after you've been on Medicare for two years, you'll switch over from, I mean, after you've been on Social Security disability for two years, you'll switch over from Medicaid to Medicare. And it can be really confusing and frustrating to try to figure out the differences and how to use the new system. And as I mentioned, you know, every state's um, state health insurance assistance program is there to help navigate that. The other situation that that people are who started on Medicare in particular during the pandemic that we're hearing about a lot is if someone had a caregiver. Medicaid pays for caregivers, Medicare does not. And so if you have a caregiver and you started on that was paid for by Medicaid and you started on Medicare during the pandemic, you will likely need to apply for the Medicaid waiver that goes hand in hand with your Medicare coverage to make sure that you don't have a gap in services with your caregiving. So that's That's a very important thing. Certainly anybody who has a caregiver and knows that their Medicaid is gonna be ending. And I I wanna emphasize that Medicaid ending for people who are on Medicare is not a getting kicked off. That is a normal resumption of a complete full insurance coverage Right. And it's a it's an elimination of the double coverage. Right. So that's not a um I don't know, it's not a it's not a getting a kicked off situation as as you've been referring to it. It's really a returning to a normal situation. And there are many Medicaid programs that help make Medicare affordable for people on a limited income. And again, your your benefits Staff at your local Indian Health Services clinic or your SHIP people in your state, will be able to help you make sure you have all the benefits that you are eligible for because we really, really, you know, want people to have everything that they're qualified for.
0: All right. All right. Um, all the uh, links uh, folks mentioned today will be on our website as well, NativeAmericaCalling.com. Uh, Chris, I have one more question for you uh, before we close out. Um, what other reasons would a person be kicked off of uh, Medicaid coverage? It's not just um, missing the paperwork, right? Right.
7: Well, sometimes um, you may no longer be eligible if your income changed because Medicaid is an income eligibility program. So there may be that type of situation. Um, And then, of course, there is, as I mentioned, the normal um, no longer being eligible for Medicaid because you now have Medicare as your primary insurance. and again, in that situation, certainly, if you had caregiving a caregiving benefit, you definitely want to call so that we can help um, make sure there are no interruptions in your in your necessary caregiving benefit. But those are the you know the the third thing is if you haven't, of course, if you haven't completed your paperwork or if you haven't provided all of the required documentation. Um, and I was just reading some statistics that of the, of the people who um, didn't successfully renew, 80% of those were because people didn't get um, the required documents or the paperwork in on time. And so mm. if you need help with that, certainly reach out to your local clinic or your state's SHIP program. We are happy to
0: help. All right. All right, seems there's a lot of resources out there, a lot of answers for your questions about Medicaid. Um, But, you know, that is all the time we have for today's show. And I want to uh, thank my guests we had on, uh, Kristen Batsui, Kitty Marks, Raho Ortiz, and Chris Winter Road. I'm back again tomorrow when we will be marking 50 years of hip-hop with some of the landmarks over the last half century with Native artists. I'm, an, I'm Andy Murphy. Do you want to start,
7: manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can
5: help. SBA is one of the best allies. It's a great partner with financial tools, educational tools, they are really there to help you to be a better entrepreneur and a better business leader.
7: For your small business needs, go to sba.gov start. All SBA programs and services are extended to the public on a non-discriminatory basis.
5: Support provided by Amerind. Amerind is 100% tribally owned and partners with tribes and their businesses to provide affordable commercial insurance coverage, protect tribal sovereignty, and strengthen Native American communities by helping to keep dollars in Indian country. Information about property, liability, commercial auto, and workers' comp available at amerind.com. That's a m e r i n d.com.